0: Because we're having three services today, we've had to shorten our services to accommodate the time frame and so forth. So when they got it all laid out, here's the deal. Two things. Number one, they've given me seven minutes to speak today. <laughs> Second thing, today's not only Resurrection Day, it's also April Fool's Day. And if you think I'm gonna be held to seven seven minutes, you're kidding yourself. <laughs> But all foolishness aside, he is risen. Aren't you glad about that today? You know, our theme for this this Resurrection Sunday is the final word. Final word. And this morning, I want you to stop for a second and just realize that this week, this is the season when we commemorate the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, the story of the crucifixion and the story of the resurrection are really inseparable. They tell one story. We separate the stories, but they really do tie together. Even though there's three days between them, the resurrection and the crucifixion all tell one story. One story without the other is is insufficient. You need both stories together. The empty tomb without the cross, is meaningless. And the cross without the empty tomb is powerless. So today on this Resurrection Sunday, to really understand the importance of these two events tying together as one, I want to share three thoughts with you today just for a few minutes. Three main thoughts, and then I'm going to tell a few stories to help better illustrate those three thoughts. Thought number one. Jesus came to Earth with a mission. Jesus came to Earth with a mission. You know, a lot of people never stop to realize that, but Jesus came to Earth with a specific mission. God didn't just drop him down here and he turned around and said, "Okay, what am I going to do?" And God said, "I, oh, hang out and see how you like it." And then one day they got tired of him and they killed him and God said, "Ah, oh, it's okay, come on home and took him back to heaven. That's not the way it was. It was very meaningful. It was purposeful. Jesus came, with the mission and the truth of the matter is we can't begin to understand the cross and the empty tomb unless first we understand the mission of Jesus before Jesus began his ministry Luke chapter 4 we find that he went into the synagogue on the sabbath day he opened up the book of the law and he read from what we would call Isaiah 61 and he began to read these words the spirit of the lord is upon me because the spirit of the Lord is upon me because and then he declared why God had put his spirit on him. And I want to put it in my own words today if I could. There are four basic things Jesus said. Number 1, he said, I've come for the poor. I've come for the poor. Those who are at the bottom of society's ladder, those who can't help themselves and pull themselves out of the hole, Jesus said, those who've been overlooked and neglected, I've come for those people. But then second of all, Jesus said, I've also come for the captives. Literally, what he said was, I've come for the prisoners of war. I've come for those who've been fighting, but they've lost the battle. They're in bondage. They can't experience freedom. They are stuck in a hole. They can't get out of that hole. Jesus said, I've come to liberate and free those prisoners of war. Third of all, Jesus said, I've come for those who are blinded. Those who can't see their way. Those who can't find their way. Those don't, who don't know how to go and where to go and when to go. Jesus said, those who are blinded, I've come to open up their eyes that they can see the light and find Their way. Then, fourth of all, Jesus said, I've come for those who are oppressed. The original writings literally say, those who've been crushed and bruised by the circumstances of life. If you think about those four things that Jesus said, it becomes really obvious to me that what Jesus was saying was, I've come for each and every one of you. Every person in this room. We fall into one of those categories, maybe two, maybe all four of those categories. But to better illustrate this, let me me just tell you some stories. I want to share some stories this morning. The mission of Jesus is probably better told by the stories of some people, like a guy named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was a beggar. He lived on beggar's row. He had a license to beg, if you will. He lived in the homeless camp of the day. And I'm going to put it in today's vernacular. He was one of those guys sitting at the end of the freeway ramp saying, give me money for food. Not only was he poor, not only was he a beggar, he was also blind. And he sat every day just begging for money to keep himself alive. But one day Jesus came to town. And Bartimaeus sat by the side of the road, and he hears all this commotion. He said, what's going on? And somebody said, "Uh, a guy named Jesus is passing by with a crowd of people. Well, he'd heard about Jesus. And he begins to cry out, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. And they're telling him, be quiet, be quiet. And he gets louder and louder until Jesus hears him. And Jesus says, bring him to me. And when they bring him out to Jesus, this blind man is let out there, poor beggar with his beggar's robes, throws him off, comes to Jesus. Jesus says, what do you want? He said, I want to receive my sight. Jesus, with a word, spoke the word, and immediately he was healed. He received his sight, and it took him off of beggar's row. It put him in a position to build a life and a future because Jesus stepped into his circumstances, and Jesus had the final word. It's a great story. Another quick story. One day they brought this woman to Jesus naked, unclothed, threw her in the dirt at his feet, and they said, she deserves to die. She was taken in the very act of adultery. It was a really big deal in Jewish society in those days. It was against the very commandments of God. They said, we're going to kill her now. What do you say? Jesus said, okay, she deserves to die. We'll stone her. But let the one among you that has no sin throw the first stone. Then the rest of us will enter in. One by one, they began to walk away until no one was left but Jesus and the naked woman. And he reached down to her with her head buried in the dirt. He said, ma'am, where are your accusers? And she looked around and said, there are no accusers, only you. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. go sin no more. Even though he had the right, even though he was sinless, he had the right to throw the first stone. He said no, 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 no. There's a better plan for your life. And with a statement, with the word, Jesus changed the whole course of her life and freed her from her past that she would go forward because Jesus had the final word. Then there's the story of a guy named Legion. We don't know his real name. They called him Legion because there were probably a thousand devils that possessed him. He was such a an unusual person that they kicked him out of town they made him live out in the graveyard among the tombstones he ran around naked cutting himself living in torment they bound him with chains on different occasions because he would terrorize the city and the power of the devil was so great that the chains would be broken by their strength nobody could tame this man he was a recluse he was a crazy man One day, Jesus got out of a boat, stepped on the shore where he was, and this man came running and fell down at the feet of Jesus. And with a word, Jesus sent the devils on their way and liberated him in a moment's time so he could go back to his village, go back to his home. And Scripture says the next scene, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Why? Because Jesus stepped into the middle of bondage, in the middle of a prisoner of war's life, and Jesus had the final word. then there's a guy like Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus was a businessman. He was a tax collector. But he was a little bit shady. How many of you think your tax guy might be a little bit shady? (laughs) He was a shady tax collector. He would take more than was right and would pocket the extra money. He was a short guy and he heard about Jesus and he was really interested because he, he wasn't the lower crust of society, but many people hated him. And he heard Jesus was passing through his town and he wanted to see Jesus. So this short guy goes and climbs up in a tree and looks over the pathway knowing Jesus is going to pass that way. And when Jesus comes along and looks up in the tree and sees him there, Jesus stops and says, Zacchaeus, come down because today I need to go to your house. That day, salvation came to the house of Zacchaeus. And with a word, Jesus liberated him from his sins of the past. He righted his wrongs. And scripture tells us that he was a changed man because Jesus had the final word. Then we see all kinds of fishermen, average, everyday people that follow Jesus. Jesus absolutely changed their lives. And Jesus had the final word. But here's what Jesus said about his mission. Jesus said, the whole man doesn't need the physician. It's the sick man that needs the physician. And that's who I've come for, those who are sick. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Those are the people I've come for. John, one of his closest disciples, wrote in his epistle, 1 John 3, he said, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy and break the works of the devil. We consider all of this and we realize that Jesus' mission was for lost, hurting, broken, confused people. And with that in mind, I think I can say that Jesus came for all of us. You and I were his mission when he came. The mission of Jesus was hope in our hopeless world, peace in the midst of our chaos joy in the face of our sorrow. Jesus came to heal our broken lives. Jesus came to have the final word. That was his mission. But then the second thought I want to share with you is this. Jesus' mission led him to the cross. Jesus' mission led him to the cross. Let me say it this way. The crucifixion of Jesus was God's idea. Isaiah 53, in the Old Testament, you know, the, the prophet Isaiah got a glimpse of what the crucifixion would be like, and he wrote words, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. He painted this picture and talked about how horrible it would be to look upon the Son of God and not even be able to recognize him. But then it goes on to say this, It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him and to crush him. For our sakes, it pleased God the Father to put our punishment upon his own son when he went to the cross. Verse 12 of Isaiah 53 says, and he bore the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. Literally, he took the place Of the transgressors I say this a lot around the bridge church but I got to say it today when Jesus went to the cross everything that was wrong with us was thrown on him and everything that was right with him was released into our lives and Jesus had the final word but let me talk to you about the crucifixion for just a moment crucifixion was a horrible thing it was a horrible death When Jesus was led away after being found guilty of blaspheming God in a mock trial, a group of Roman soldiers gathered around him and one centurion, a Roman who led a hundred men, this centurion gave the orders and they laid him out on a big rock and they took a cat of nine tails, a big whip, and they beat his back. It was common in those days that people would die at the whipping post before they ever got to the cross. 39 times they put stripes on the back of Jesus. Jesus. Then they stood him up and put a crown of thorns on his head and pushed it into his skull, and the blood began to run down his face. Then they had him carry his cross to the top of Golgotha's hill, and when they arrived there, they stretched him out on that cross, and they nailed his hands and his feet to that tree, and then they raised him up, dropped that cross in a hole, and let him hang there, waiting for him to suffocate. That was the death of crucifixion. But here's the interesting thing. As they're crucifying him, as they're leading him away, as he's hanging on that cross throughout the whole process, those Roman soldiers are slugging him and spitting on him and slapping him and mocking him, calling him all kinds of names, saying, if you're the son of God, why don't you save yourself? Even as he hangs on that cross, they walk around mocking him for hours. But finally the time comes that Jesus says, it is finished and scripture says he hung his head and he died when Jesus died the earth began to tremble and then it settled back down and that centurion who led that group of soldiers probably had a first hand in the crucifixion if at least the very least he was giving the orders for the rest of the crew That centurion and those soldiers with him, when they saw Jesus die and after the earthquake, their words were, truly, this was the Son of God. Jesus came to earth. He went to the cross for those centurions, just as he went to the cross for you and me. The cross was the payment So you and I could be released from our sins and go on and live in the life and the liberty of God. For every Bartimaeus, for every woman taken in adultery, for every man bound by the powers of Satan, for every businessman called Zacchaeus who's been lying and stealing and cheating, for every common everyday person, Jesus Paid for the right to step into our lives and change everything and to have the final word. That was the work of the cross. That was the work of the cross. For all men, for all time, you and me included, Jesus wants to have the final word. But then there's one more thought, a third thought. The third thought is this. The resurrection of Jesus validates The work of the cross the resurrection of Jesus validates what he did on the cross I'll explain it in a moment what he did on the cross when he walked out of the grave it gave him the right to have the final word in our lives let me show it to you I got up early this morning and I I read the resurrection story again I wanted to have it fresh in my heart and fresh in my mind and you know, Jesus died, the earth shook, they put him in a grave three days later on Sunday morning. Before daylight, the earth began to shake again. The scripture says an angel of God came and rolled away the stone. Jesus came out of that tomb. Let me just give you something to think about. He didn't roll the stone away for Jesus' sake. Jesus could walk right through the wall, okay? He did so later on. He did it for our sake, that we would know that something miraculous had happened. It's interesting that the women come to the tomb that first Easter Sunday morning and they're preparing to anoint the body of Jesus. They think he'll still be there. The disciples are in hiding. They still can't understand that even though Jesus said, I'll be in the tomb three days and I'll be raised, they still couldn't get their hearts and their minds around it. They're hiding in fear. They're filled with doubt. I believe from the time Jesus died until the time he was raised from the dead, those three days were the darkest days in history. But then came the morning when Jesus walked out of that grave. What does it mean to us today? A couple of things I want you to notice the resurrection of Jesus guarantees the power of the cross. The resurrection of Jesus guarantees the power of the cross. Romans 4:25 says this: Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses, our sins, and he was raised from the dead because of our justification. You know what that means? That means Jesus went to the cross as the sinless lamb of God. God accepted his sacrifice And God raised him from the dead. And now you and I have the right to take all of our sins to the cross, put them on Jesus there, and walk away and have it be just as if we've never sinned in the sight of God. Because the open tomb is evidence that the sacrifice of Jesus was accepted by the Father. We can walk away. All of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our mistakes, the things we wish we could erase from our memories, you can take it to the cross and walk away and it's gone. As a matter of fact, one more thing we notice. Colossians chapter 2 says this, having wiped out the handwriting requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, You know, all those things you remember, all those mistakes you made that never leave up here, they've been nailed to the cross of Jesus. You need to forget about it and walk away. The next verse in Colossians 2 says this, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them In What that means is he went into the midst of hell in that three-day period and he walked out with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And when that stone was rolled away, not only did Jesus walk out of that grave, but it gives you and me the right to walk to the cross, to die there, walk away sin-free, and then walk out of that tomb to a life like we've never, ever known before. That's the power of that resurrection of Jesus. If you're a guest today, you'll have to forgive me. I still get a little bit excited about Jesus after all these years. But I I was watching a TV show this week. Let me illustrate this to you. I was watching a TV show this week, and it was one of those shows where a a woman had been falsely accused of a crime she hadn't committed. She was looking at at least 20 years in prison, and all the evidence looked bad. Man, the jury was shaking their heads. Man, they, they had this woman to write. It looked horrible. how many of you know how these tv shows work for 59 and a half minutes you're praying you're saying oh god save her oh god deliver her you know it's looking so bad for 59 and a half minutes she looks guilty and done but all of a sudden at the last minute they came up with different evidence that turned the whole story around and when they got the evidence the judge raised his gavel and said not guilty you are dismissed. You can go free. And he slammed the gavel down on his desk. You know what happened when the stone rolled away? You went to the cross. I went to the cross. When we walked away from the cross, the stone was open, and God raised his gavel and said, you are guilty no longer. You are free. And he slammed down his gavel. The stone was rolled away, and we are free to walk in the liberty of Jesus Christ. That's what the resurrection is says to us today been talking about stories Bartimaeus and the woman taken in adultery and legion and different ones let me tell you two more stories in closing many years ago on a Sunday evening a man came up to me in the church where I was pastoring after service was over he said can can I meet you in your office I have a gift I want to give you it's in my car I want to get it I said sure so, you know, I was a young preacher and didn't know what to expect. A couple minutes later, this guy knocks on the door, I open the door, he walks in, he's got a shotgun in his hand. He said, I want to give you this shotgun. Is that okay? And I said, yeah, that's, that's great, you know. I mean, I wasn't a shotgun guy, but that's okay. I said, yeah, that's awesome. He said, this is my shotgun. I bought it for a special purpose, but I want to give it to you. And I said, wow, why would you do that? And he broke into tears. And he told me about his life all the things that he'd suffered since the time he was a little child. He said, I bought this shotgun for a purpose. I bought this shotgun to kill myself. He said, Friday night in the middle of the night, I went and got this out of my closet. I was miserable. I was so confused. I loaded the gun. I walked into the kitchen. I put it under my chin. I was about to pull the trigger. And I said, God, if you can do anything, please help me. I'm at the end of my road. He says, suddenly it was like Jesus walked into that room and he said he began to speak things into my heart he began to show me his perspective he began to change the way i see everything and he said when i heard those words i unloaded that gun and i laid it down and i'm telling you i'm giving you this gun because i don't need it anymore jesus has had the final word (laughs) a few months later a few months later i got a call about a friend of mine a man in our church who. Had made some horrible decisions, made some bad mistakes, lost his family, was about to lose his business. His whole world had fallen apart. Got a call from him and I went to meet him. He'd moved out of his home, he was living in a mobile home or motor home. Went to meet him at a designated place. He opened the door. I climbed up in there. His eyes were swollen, shut from crying. And I sat down in the front seat across from him and on the console there a pistol was laying there loaded pistol i said what's this for he said this is to end my life i can't go any further i have messed it all up there's no way to fix it we began to talk shared for several minutes when we finished talking we prayed together and i don't know how to explain it but jesus walked into that motorhome and when the conversation was over he took the gun and emptied the gun and said I won't need these shells anymore there's hope for my future because Jesus has the final word friend hear me today please hear me it doesn't matter what's going on in your life it doesn't matter where you've been it doesn't matter what you've done But as I close want you listen for two minutes we're gonna show some verses on the screen real quickly but I won't tell you what God's Word says you might be sitting here today saying, well, is, is all this true? The, the crucifixion, the resurrection, is it all true? Second Peter chapter 1. Peter, one of the closest followers of Jesus, wrote these words. He said, for we do not follow cunningly devised fables. We made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty scriptural record tells us not only did his followers see him, there were more than 500 people at one time that saw Jesus after his resurrection. Jesus was alive. But what about his mission? Friend, his mission was about you. 2,000 years ago, his mission was about you. John 3, 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But what about the cross? He died on that cross for you. First Corinthians 1:18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And finally, what about the resurrection? The message from the resurrection is: Jesus lives, and he wants to give you his life. Now in this world and eternally in the world to come. Romans 8, 11 says that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I don't know what your circumstances in life are today, but God can change it all if you'll let him have the final word. I don't care what the situation is. You can take it to the cross. You can lay it down and walk away and walk out of an open tomb into life eternal. You can have life like you've never known before, but he needs your invitation. He needs you to say, God, I want you. God, I need you. He needs you to open the door which allows him to come in and begin to work. I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask everybody here to bow their heads and close their eyes, please. In just a moment, our worship team's going to get in place. We're going to be singing one more song. But at this moment, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Maybe you're here today and perhaps you've never given your heart to the Lord. Perhaps you've never opened up your life and asked God to come in. Or maybe there was a time in your life when you had made a commitment to Christ, but you've been the prodigal and you've been on the run hiding from Him. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to give you an opportunity today, every one of us, open our hearts and ask God into our lives. We do that with words. We call it prayer. It's just talking to God. I want to lead you into prayer. There's nothing special about my words, but I want to lead you into prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Let's let God begin to work in our lives. Repeat these words. Speak them right out loud. You don't need to scream them, but just speak them right out loud from your heart. Let's let God work. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. Wipe away my past. Give me a brand new life. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he was raised from the dead. I die to myself now so I can experience his life. Thank you for loving me. I will be your child. You'll be my Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.